Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the uh, Super Rugby uh, Altera Round 1 and Super Rugby AU Round 2 review. Hi, I'm Paul. Um, I'll be your host this evening. Uh, as we uh, review those four games, yes, we had the Highlanders versus the Crusaders, the Queensland Reds versus the Melbourne Rebels, the Blues, so the Hurricanes versus the Blues, and the Brumbies versus the Waratahs. Um, and uh, joining me to uh, mull over all of the action, I've uh, got a uh, new good-looking haircut, Stephen Harris, um, and um, Safe also had his haircut, but you may not be able to tell um, Boa Athu. How are you doing, guys? Very good, Paul. Very well, thanks. Kia ora and greetings. Good evening. I hope uh, you Aucklanders are enjoying lockdown three level. Uh, it's version 3.0, isn't it? The, um, yes. Thank you for doing the hard yards for the rest of us so that we all get to um, uh, do that. Uh, um, You're very welcome. Um, the, uh, and, uh, yeah, so next weekend, obviously, by the way, first folks, um, with Auckland in level three, um, luckily there isn't. The Blues are not playing next weekend, uh, but it looks like they're going to be sticking around in Wellington um, for a while to do some training. Um, but the uh, currently, the um, the Chiefs versus I've gone blank. Who's they're playing now on Friday night um, next weekend um, will be going ahead um, under level two conditions, which I think, from memory, means no crowds. Um, however. Um, it looks like it still looks like I'm on track um, to uh, get a media pass for that. So Chiefs versus the Highlanders um, at uh, five p.m. Uh, seven p.m. Sorry, on 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 Friday. So hopefully, in this show next weekend, um, we will actually have some post-match interviews from that game from the players and coaches, or at least the post-match press conference um, to show you as well. So um, looking forward to that next weekend. But it does look like no crowds um, probably for. The uh, Chiefs versus Highlanders and the Hurricanes, sorry, the Crusaders versus the Hurricanes um, next weekend. But hey, that's all in the future. And we have a preview show to cover that on Thursday evening at 8 p.m. So uh, let's forget about that for now um, and let's revel in the past um, and uh, take our minds back to um, Friday night when the uh, Highlanders kicked off against the um, uh, Crusaders. Now, um, Boa, I'm sure you've got all the stats there, but uh, essentially the story of the game, I think, was that look, the, the Highlanders came out, had a very uh, good opening period, didn't put points on, though, um, and then the Crusaders did their kind of thing. Um, is that uh, is, is that borne out by um, the stats? Uh, were were the Highlanders not, Highlanders just not clinical enough in that first half um, and, the, and the Crusaders were? Well, I think it was just very poor uh, decision-making and very poor on-field leadership. I was very, very surprised given that Tony Brown, uh, you know, amazing coach in charge, they had five very simple, clear-cut opportunities to take the points. It was pretty straightforward. Uh, All they had to do was call a shot and, you know, they just left points on the park. 
and uh, I think the most uh, the most telling factor was just prior to the halftime, there was a, a a penalty which was about 15 in from right hand touch, about 20 meters from a very kickable goal. Instead, they went for a line out option. They went to the tail. They messed it up, and the Crusaders go pretty much the length of the field, and they get points on the other side. So, well, yeah, you're, I mean, you you could look at it from a, a execution point of view, but by and large, for me, it was very very poor. Uh, on-field decision-making. And if you recall, uh, Rewind, a couple of weeks back, I did clearly mention that, you know, kicking is going to be a huge part of this campaign. And, you know, fast forward two weeks and uh, Highlanders, uh, you know, they, they, they literally gave it away. Now, before we go any further, um, Stephen, I think you've got some hellos to say. Well, yeah. Hello to my uh, my niece Kitty, who's watching the show. I hope you're well <laughs> and uh, uh, stay safe in uh, COVID. Just on what Paul, on the back of what Paul was saying, uh, he's dead right about the decision making. And the classic example to me is, um, you know, when you're, I mean, so the definition of stupidity is 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 trying the same thing, and when it keeps on, when it's when it's not working, you keep trying it again, and that's exactly what they did with the driving wall. And ironically enough. When the when the Highlanders did put things together, obviously the quick pickup on the yellow card, uh, Mickey two with the quick drive, quick change of direction. When they actually were a little bit creative, they actually scored points. So go figure. I'd say not going to just put the points that does, does suggest that it's fourteen nil down um, at that stage. Do you need to start? Uh, chasing um, fives and sevens rather than um, doing threes. I think if you're still in the first half, you have time on your hands. Get yourself on the board. Get yourself some. Um, uh, get, get get yourself in the game at least. You don't have to win the game in the first half. You have still got another um, uh, a, a, another half of rugby to go. You've got plenty of time to score points. Uh, but so you just need to start chipping away at it. Uh, I think is, is is how I would want to go about it. Yeah, absolutely, Paul. And from a statistical point of view, if you go back and look at the last five seasons of Super Rugby in New Zealand, uh, most teams have spent most time in between the 22 and the 10-metre line. That's where most of the rugby is played. Uh, in fact, I would say se about 70% based on GPS statistical data. Now, the interesting thing is uh, they only convert about 13 to 14% of their territorial advantage into points, i.e. not wanting to take the, those kickable shots at goal. So I think there's a, a clear lesson to be learned here. If you're in that zone, if you get a penalty, take the shot, simple. Uh, that's, that's to me, as a, from a coaching point of view, it, it's a no-brainer. And why teams keep repeating the same mistake is just simply and utterly beyond me. Yeah, and um, the... I, I, yeah, I get that. The... Um, uh, the, when they did get that yellow card to Blackadder, because um, we'll come back to a point made by um, uh, uh, made by Simon in a, in a second here. But when they did have that one, um, some some good on field decision making around how, how they or around the style of what call to make on that scrum to get that try um, with um, Michele Tuu coming inside, getting over the gain line. Uh, creating that space, then Aaron Smith spinning it back the other way very quickly to um, a, um, a Frizzell, who from that far out was going to was going to bash over the uh, the winger and score. So look, they, there are times when they have that um, ability to do that. But as you say that uh, yeah, take those points while you are there. Um, now we've got uh, Stefan uh, Stefansson says look, says we'll give you gift points to stop you scoring tries. Tries to now fifteen points. Um, Simon says, is it just me or is it more like um, you, uh, when you give away the most penalties, you're more likely to win the match? Um, is giving away penalties actually a good way to win games? Um, and Tony Brown came out and made that point, didn't he? Uh, should, uh, about, about the should, should the team that gives away the least penalties, that, gives, that has the most second play, should that be the team that ends up, ends up on the wrong end of the scoreboard? Um, the, uh, from a We'll, we'll go, Stephen, go to you first from a philosophical point of view, and then we'll then we'll check with um, Boa as to what the stats say around penalties and winning. Yeah, Paul, it, it depends on what the actual 
penalties are and on in terms of where the field position or where they're giving them away. If you're giving away a few in that in that red zone area, then yeah, it, it, it's very much an issue. But you know, sometimes you sometimes you'll get uh, uh, teams giving away penalties in their own half, and uh, I've probably got a little bit of a point when we get to the the Blues game. They gave away a lot of penalties, but they actually gave away a lot of penalties when they were basically attacking attacking with the ball as well. Um, so yeah, it really it really depends um, where those positions on the field are to me. Yeah, so to to add to what Stephen said and and to the previous point I made, where most teams in Super Rugby for the last five seasons have been playing their rugby in between the opponents twenty two and the the ten meter line, that's where most of the action takes place. So from a refereeing point of view, and 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 you and you and you just know that it it comes with me. It comes always comes down to that. With you know they've got spec savers on their shirts. Um, I mean, really, it's it's time that they clamp down on the serial offending of I what they call professional fouls. I, I would rather call it cynical fouls. I, I don't see anything professional about fouling and getting out of you know uh, jail. But what's actually happening is because this pattern is now accepted almost in the eyes of professional referees and they're not clamping down on it early enough, uh, teams are getting away with murder. So I thought Tony Brown was very charitable and he bit his own tongue. If, if, if I was in his position, I would have absolutely given the referees and touch judges an absolute spray because they are not policing the area, this very critical area. Because keep in mind, guys, right before the season, they come out and say, you know, we're going to make sure the game's clean. We're going to police the breakdown. We're going to really clamp out of the discipline. And when they, when they turn up on the field, they do the complete opposite. Now, I can understand if this happens at grassroots or community rugby. Uh, you know, most most of these people are volunteers. They don't get paid for this. But at, at the professional level, these guys have a sponsor called Specsavers. You know, um, you know, my, my eyesight isn't the greatest, but I can still pick some of those um, infringements, you know, second, third time as they open into the game. It's just a case of actually them laying down the law and saying, guys, Third foul in this area. If you if you do something stupid, you're straight off to the bin. And and watch how the world changes. But they're not doing that. So teams like the Crusaders know that they can get away with murder. They continue to do that. Uh, you know, if you, if it was in real life, imagine if someone committed that same crime so many times, they'd probably end up with about fifty thousand years of, you know, incarceration. Hmm. So okay, so so my my answer to this one, and I've tried some before, and this gets mixed reactions. Generally, generally people are against it, but I would say every fifth yellow card, so every fifth penalty, is a yellow card, um, on the repeat side. Now you also have yellow cards taking out players in the air and and that kind of thing, but um, rather than having the making it a, a judgmental decision by the referee, who we know gets impacted, uh, affected by home crowds and things like that, I would just I would make it say. Uh, uh, purely a numbers game. If you on, on your fifth penalty, you lose a player. End of story. Um, and in this game, that would have meant the Highlanders would have lost one player because they gave up eight penalties. The Crusaders would have lost three players because they gave up fifteen penalties. And I think that would have uh, made a difference. Paul, if you've had, if you've had four four penalties and you're in position, and you give away an in possession penalty, does that person go to the does that person go to the bin? Seems. A little harsh to me because it's, it's if you're, if you're holding on to the ball and uh, stopping the opposition from getting a uh, the, the the opportunity of a of a turnover and then broken field play to try and score. Absolutely, it's cynical, uh, but just in the other way. Uh, maybe maybe if you're giving giving away uh, penalties, slowing ball down, coming in from the side, offside penalties, I've I've probably got no issues with that. But yeah, in, in possession penalties, well, I'm not I'm not sure about that. And maybe, gentlemen, maybe it's time the judicial uh, side of things. Uh, Sansa looked at actually sanctions on serial offenders. You know how people, if they they uh, pulled up for uh, foul play when they, you know, front a judiciary, maybe there has to be some kind of process where you you can actually look at certain teams and look at statistics of where certain players who are the serial offenders they then need to get pulled up, and uh, you know something similar. There has to be some kind of judicial court where they get. A post-game judicial hearing, and they get suspended for the same uh, same offence. Maybe it's come to that because you know you you watch uh, elite level rugby. This is just becoming quite cynical. It's it's becoming a bit of a joke, and it's it's really killing the game and as well as the momentum. And also from a spectator point of view, it's just destroying the spectacle. 
Um, I was about to say, yep, oh, in football, what do they have? Um, you get a yellow card. And um, even if you pick up a, a second yellow card, but in the next match, I think you, you get suspended. So, something something along those lines. So, yeah, definitely if you're a recidivist, it could be something in there. The problem is... Yellow cards here rather than penalties, aren't we? Whereas maybe something on the lines of you're allowed one penalty a game, and then when you um, every other penalty clocks up, and when you get to five points, you miss a game. Um, so you're allowed one penalty on your second. Um, now it doesn't mean that props would spend, um, or maybe props get allowed two a game because of the because because of the number of scrummaging penalties, um, uh, and that way it would um, it was solid. But it all comes down to intent of coaching at the end of the day, doesn't it? Uh, and um, if uh, if the coaches a coach with a certain intent, who cares what the laws are? We'll have a good game, um, and that's um, and that, that's what it comes to down to. Nocturnal rights, uh, um, yeah, he's all he's also there for penalty count leads to suspension. Simon Hughes suggesting five penalties automatic kick at posts rather than necessarily um, a losing a player, um, uh, and uh, that 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 kind of thing. Uh, Jordan Clark. Maybe it's a stigma of keeping this attacking style New Zealand is renowned for and not kicking penalties like most other countries, going back to that taking threes and going for the corner. Now, to a certain degree, I can understand it uh, in certain games. So, for example, one of the things you definitely want to be able to do is, is that if you know you are four points down with timeout, um, you want to know that your kick to the corner will lead to a good maul and a try. So, do you, in games that don't matter so much, so, for example, North, um, uh, say November tour games or or or, um, or July tour games in the international scene. Do you in those games actually turn down threes to practice that lineup more, so that when it comes to that crunch game in the Rugby World Cup final, you're four points down, you know how to execute. Um, I can see to a certain degree that that's there. Now, whether you should be doing that in Super Rugby games um, to make sure you're ready for it at international level, I don't know. Um, and I don't. Um, I'm not so sure that's the right way to go about uh, go about things. But I can see somehow. I can see in some cases where you do it for uh, sort of real match practice, so that you're ready for it later on. But uh, and I don't think here is now the right sort of time to be doing it. Yeah, just to add to what Jordan saying there. Yeah, there is a there is a very big reluctance from a coaching point of view to actually focus on the goal kicking area. This is something I grapple with even with some of my senior coaches at club level. You know, there's no real uh, attention on goal kicking. So this, I think, from an overall point of view on how players are coached and how they come through the grades, and also from a coaching or a coach development point of view, this is something which needs to be looked at. And I can uh, recall a conversation with John Hart. I had many, many years ago when he had the likes of Andrew Mertens. His first option was whenever they had points uh, on, on the table, I get an opportunity to take a shot at goal, especially against teams like the Springboks and the Wallabies. It was always, always call for the shot. Now, something that, uh, Bella, you spotted during this game was that the ball being used in Super Rugby Altera was the Adidas ball, not the Gilbert ball. Now, I, I remember hearing the word Gilbert used during one of the Super Rugby AU games. So I assume they are using a Gilbert ball over there. So it's going to be interesting to see which ball we use when it comes to the uh, Super Rugby Trans-Tasman. But um, would, you, would, would there be an argument that um, by using the Adidas ball uh, has different, kicking, te different um, kicking techniques or different um, kicking properties to a Gilbert ball that when... We move when we end up in Trans Tasman, or when we end up with players going to the All Blacks and playing overseas with a different ball. Um, that this is going to hurt their ability to kick by the fact that Super Rugby Aotearoa is using a, an Adidas. Well, guys, the, the fact of the matter is, I mean, I I know the Gilbert range of balls quite well. I I know know it inside out. Uh, whereas the Adidas ball, I have very very little. Uh, knowledge of it, and I, I I haven't really come across it because the only teams at the moment who use them are um, obviously what well, was the All Blacks and at NPC level. Now I know the feedback from the players has been that they much prefer the Gilbert Ball, but due to commercial rights, etc., that's probably where Adidas have come in and flexed their muscles. The the, the reality is with the Gilbert, uh, the test level or the elite level match ball they use in 2021 is is a ball called the Sirius, S-I-R-I-U-S. 
And of course, the Gilbert has a patent technology uh, which has its valve on the spine of the ball. So what it means that it gives the ball a lot more stability when you're kicking the ball, i.e. with goal kicking. And of course, uh, they have uh, another patent technology which is uh, five-dimensional pimples all over the ball. Now, if I compare that with the Adidas match ball, you know, again, guys, this is my personal view. I think it's just nowhere in the ballpark. So that could possibly have some effect. But the easiest way to fix that is to get a whole bunch of um, Adidas match balls and get your goal kickers practicing them. Because end of the day, Adidas are a major sponsor of New Zealand rugby. And I'm sure getting a couple hundred balls across to all the key goal kickers uh, at NPC level and above is no real big deal. But uh, depending on where the rugby is played, so i.e. if they go to Australia and they play Trans, Tasman or Super Rugby AU, yes, they'll be using Gilbert. But any games played in New Zealand for the local home unions, it will be the Adidas. There we go. So um, we now can uh, join cricket in having the, dis the discussion between the Kookaburra and the uh, Dukes ball. We can now we can now have similar discussions in rugby about the difference between the Adidas uh, and the uh, Gilbert ball, um, which is great to see. Um, those are some of the key points that I want us to bring up from this game. Uh, boys, any other uh, what, any sort of uh, key points or players you'd like to mention? Um, yeah, from my, from my point of view, I think, you know, like any performance, you need some of your guys, your key guys to stand up. And we saw um, um, we saw uh, Frizzell just, you know, we saw him with a, with a couple of good carries, but he was never never really, uh, shall I say, consistent enough. There was good good performance too from uh, from the, the two locks, especially the Irish kid, uh, Reagan, who, uh, Jack Regan, who came into the side. I thought, I thought he was... I thought he was reasonably reasonably solid. Um, I uh, the ex flanker from uh, from Billy Harmon probably didn't show out as much as I I thought he would, um, having known having played for the the Crusaders before. But on saying that, when your when your set piece scrums under a bit of pressure, I suppose you're always going to be um, playing second second fiddle. Yeah, that was interesting. I I thought in terms of a newcomer, uh, Connor Garden Bishop, I thought was very very good on debut. Yeah, certainly. Connor Garden caught, caught my as well. And also, it was nice to see Liam Squire had a couple of runs out mm. on the wing. Uh, so, you know, his reintroduction into top-level first-class rugby, that's a really good sign. So, someone to watch and I'll be really interested to see how Squire develops from here. Cool. Um, that's, so, let's move on then to across the ditch um, to the uh, Reds versus the Rebels um, in this one. And... Um, this really was not the game that I think a lot of us. Um, oh, oh, did did oh, hang on, yes, sorry. Um, we have to go back. Did Moody get away with foul play? Sorry, yes, we. I forgot the. I forgot the, the obvious red card in the first two minutes. Um, yes, Moody got away with foul play. You cannot be pushing your swinging your hands in the area of someone's face, hitting people in the face. Sure, it's an open palm. Sure, the other player shouldn't be holding him, but you don't. Uh, you can't react by hitting someone in the face. And I thought the only reason he got away with that was A, he's an all-black, and B, it was in the first couple of minutes of the very first game of the very first tournament. Um, and it was far too early for a red card to be given. That's my opinion. Boys? Well, well, the the, the, the worst fact of it was the referee is a professional optometrist, you know, Ben O'Keefe, <laughs> with, with spec savers on his shirt. So I rest my case, guys. I, I, was, I, I just couldn't believe that. I had my son watching the game with me and he said, Dad... Uh, don't you get arrested for that when you do that in real life? And I said, yeah, well, there you I, go. I, I originally thought um, when I first saw it and I sort of looked at your comments, especially during our, our, our rugby chat that we have, which is always a, which is always interesting, um, I kind of reassessed. I think I would have gone I would have gone to yellow. Should have got at least a yellow card, but heck, heck no, not, not, a, not a read. Um, if there was a little bit, to me, if there was a little bit more impact, then you might have been looking at a red, but he should have got a yellow at least. Yeah, or an, or an orange card, you know, and then he's France <laughs> <a> judiciary. <laughs> um, we'll have to see whether he gets cited or not. Um, I doubt he will be. Um, I, I, I very much doubt it. Uh, I, I think um, they're going to go with the referee's decision on the pitch at the time um, and that uh, it calmed him having a word calmed it um, down uh, after that. 
um, the because uh, we didn't see that kind of stuff happening anymore. So yeah, it was. Uh, uh, I guess an opportunity to referee. He, 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 he made it clear. Look, no more of that. Had enough, um, and thankfully it stopped. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought he got very lucky there. Um, couple of comments here. Yes, yeah, see, he's a crusader, um, and um, outside New Zealand red card all day long. Ah, well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, let's let's move over then to the other side of the Tasman. But yes, you quite. Thank you, Jordan, for bringing that up. I uh, yes, I forgot that one. Um, and um, uh, we, we definitely had to talk about it um, across the tap across the ditch. So the Reds against the Rebels. I think everyone expected the Rebels basically to be taken to pieces by the Reds uh, and for this to be a comfortable Reds win. Um, it turned into anything but basically as the Red Rebels turned up um, and uh, basically defended for their lives and took every single shot at goal that they could get. They did miss a couple. Um, but uh, that meant that uh, they got they, they they defended very well. Um, the Reds on the other side on the other side of things, their tactic was to run the Rebels uh, until they were too tired, um, and then pull away in the last sixty. I say in the last twenty. Um, the problem for them was they weren't getting any points along the way, and so were drifting further and further behind, um, and so it ended up being a big catch up game rather than a game that was fairly tight, and then they pull away from. Um, in the end, um, the uh, not so right to me. Yeah, um, Reds try to play a high tempo, um, but way too many errors um, for it to pay off. I, well, no, it did pay off in the end because hey, they did get the win right at the death. Um, but um, it did take them the uh, four, 75 minutes to actually get there and to tire the rebels out. The rebels uh, performing above expectation in that one. Um, and uh, Stephen, I think you did. I'm not sure if you uh, decided to give up on this one halfway through or not, or did you did you last last to the end of this one? No, I actually actually ended up sticking it out because part of me was um, hoping that the rebels would, uh, would would cause a bit of an upset just to throw the competition wide open. But uh, listen, probably at the end of the day, the reds will look back and maybe just a bit of a. I think I commented in the chat just a lack of respect. Um, more than anything else, where they've decided to come out and run these, you know, basically go wide without doing the hard work up front first. And that, I think that's what it came down to. The irony, when they did uh, basically get the winning try, Muffy getting a second try of the hooker, that they basically reverted to the, the driving wall, the driving wall play. So I thought I was watching the Brumbies there for a minute. Um, but on saying that, there was some uh, there was some solid enough performances uh, uh, from the Rebels that just kept them in the game. They You know, they picked up a number of penalties at breakdown, um, none better than um, the boy Hardwick on the side of the scrum who, Got a lot of turn turnovers was a, a real nuisance for the light for the night, but it also shows you how important uh, Powell, uh, Tumua, and Hodge are to this particular team. And uh, I've got to give Matt Tumua is uh, is Jews after getting hit in that very heavy tackle. Boy, I think he was uh, there must have been bells ringing in his head, probably the hit of the weekend. Yeah, um, look, yeah, it was actually, uh, and uh, he, he he did get uh, he, and he got back up. And gentlemen, I, I, I have to say that last uh, try they scored, that drive of Fishtail Mall, I thought that very last play where the Reds' first five joined the ball, that was a very legal tactic. He went and shepherded in front, uh, just over the line, and he took out a, a would-be defender, and it gave Mafia a clear run onto the line. And I, th I thought it was highly illegal and should have been a penalty. But nonetheless, there was a referee. Uh, I don't think they have spec savers as a sponsor for <laughs> the Australian refs. But they're, they're no better as well. He was right on the on the angle. Uh, yeah, that, that was my take on it. And um, look, it was a very sloppy game, wasn't it? 30, was it 36 or 37 handling errors? Uh, and again, it just goes to show the value of kicking goals. Seven out of seven. Uh, in fact, you know, Hodge had the opportunity to win it. But... You know, he he, uh, he he couldn't convert that. Uh, so, Rebels, very, very unlucky. But I, I have to say, huge question mark over that last try where Murphy went over. Uh, you know, it was very, very legal. And, um, yeah, they got away with it. They did. Uh, well, they missed three kicks at goal, did, um, did the Rebels. So, out of 14 penalties um, that they were given, they took 10 shots at goal. Um, they gave up 18 penalties on themselves. So, they were... Um, 32 penalties in this game. So the referee's whistle got a good working over um, in this one. And, and, and um, also, I mean, the, they were uh, play, 
plenty of high shots and you know the the, the entry into the tackle area was just was just horrible and there were a number of uh, offenders and 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 the problem here is because I've I've been watching these sides uh, looking at some of their training footage over the week they actually encourage these players to go very very high into the contact to this they use this whole choke tackle nonsense so you know we're going to we're going to see more and more of this and it's only a matter of time where someone is going to get seriously hurt and there's going to be cards dished left right and center I was going to say, guys, something that I reckon changed the game was that uh, red card when the replacement prop for Tuika got actually sent uh, sent off the field. And, you know, at that stage, you thought, oh, maybe the Rebels are, are in with a bit of a grin here. But it, uh, it brought a rejuvenated uh, Taniella uh, Tupo back onto onto the paddock. And, uh, boy, I, I don't know, he, he was obviously ticked about being pulled early. So... Um, all of a sudden, he put in a real great effort at, at scrum time, and in terms of carry. So I thought he was a he was a real catalyst at the end, and I think they got some good value off the rest of the bench guys. Yeah, and look, it was interesting to see that the uh, that um, the rebels managed to in, managed to injure their prop and bring back their big prop as well to uh, to counter him. Um, so um, I look, I hope there's nothing nefarious going on there, and uh, that he probably was uh, that maybe he was probably injured. And if he is, hopefully he uh, uh, fixes up well. Um, but um, but yes, that's um, that. Yeah, we definitely saw that. Yeah, that red card. When that red card happened, I thought, okay, that's it over for the Reds. The Reds are chasing the game. They're a player down, but actually, it energised them. Um, and uh, the uh, the uh, and, and, and yeah, because it was um, thirteen eighteen prior to that, um, and they came through in that next sort of twenty minutes without that player um, to to win it twenty three twenty one. The other player that um, that Boa um, had uh, so so um, Stephen, I don't know if you're so folks um, at the moment for me Boa Bo is cutting out, but apparently for you guys he's coming through loud and clear. So um, sorry if I don't respond to some of the things he says. That's because I've not heard it, but hopefully you guys have. Um, but uh, it sounds like it's good for broadcast. So hey, don't don't worry about me. Um, but Hans Posami um, in this one, um, a bit of dumb play at the end. He very nearly lost this game. Um, there are seconds left on the clock and what does he do he kicks the ball away which you're just thinking why are you doing that okay fine he was in his own 22 um but still you've only got seconds left two two um one i mean two maybe even just one um ruck would have been enough but no he uh, decides to kick ahead and then make a high hit hitting someone in the head giving away a penalty and an opportunity for matt tamua to win the game um which he missed. So very lucky for Hunter Paisami there. Uh, but so yeah, Bowie, Hunter Paisami is one of the guys you actually called out ahead of time on our chat saying, look, he's got an issue with his tackle technique. Um, he's always he's always going to be um, at risk. Yeah, look, he's he's one of my former um, players from Monaco Rovers. You know, he's you know, a very talented player. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, he has this tendency and you know, I, I, I could count the amount of times where we've actually told him, you you got to stay low, you got to stay low. Um, and, you know, he's, he's one of those kids who just really wants to get stuck in. But again, you know, this is where coaching comes into the aspect of it, especially pre-season. you got to work on these technical deficiencies um, and, and, and given the amount of scrutiny around the head and neck contact. It's only a matter of time before this kid's going to do it again. And if you recall last year in the Eden Park test, there are a couple of times he actually got away with it. It was just very, it was just reckless. He uh, had a go at, uh, I think it was Caleb Clark on the left-hand wing, about 15 in from touch when he was sauntering to the try line. No arms, going high. Um, you know, I, I, I get that certain players enjoy the level of contact, but, you know, at, 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 at test level and at elite level, you go in with that level of force and impact, you know, chance are you going to hurt someone seriously or kill them. Uh, so it needs to be completely stamped out. And, and again, this is where the judiciary really needs to get proactive. And if there is a player who has this problem, now classic example is C.O. Tompkinson from the Highlanders. We know he's a, he's a well-documented serial offender. Coaches really need to get on top of this and they need to correct their techniques. So if any of these guys are watching any of your coaches, if you have problems with tackle technique and entering too high into tackle, give me a call. I will help you with safe tackle framework. Hey guys, just a just a quick thing to, as well. Wasn't it fantastic to see you mentioned um, Hunter Paisami from the Monaco Rovers, but marking him in the other number thirteen jersey, another former Monaco Rovers 
a player in Stacey Ely. And I thought, that, you know, I thought Stacey was, I, I thought he was solid without being too spectacular. But I, I was just a little bit disappointed that uh, Hodge tends to be a little bit of a, a, a tucker. And I don't know how many times he passed, but I'd have loved to have seen Stacey with a little bit more space. And it just goes to show that, you know, the, the greatest rugby academy of all is South Auckland. There's no question about it. You know, and, and, and you can see the Wallabies uh, and, and most of the super rugby teams in Australia are direct um, beneficiaries of them. You know, all these imports coming through from South Auckland. Uh, I, look, I'm, I'm really happy for both these guys. You know, they're, they're, I'm, I'm super proud they're from my club um, and I wish them nothing but the best. Hopefully, both of these guys can keep their tackle height a bit low and spend more time on the field than off it because of cards. <laughs> I agree. Fabulous. Um, time to then move on, guys, um, to the uh, Hurricanes versus the uh, Blues. Um, but, um, yep, uh, Stefanson Minton is, uh, is is definitely with you there. Um, he's, uh, he's, all, he's, he's, he's all Rovers all the way through. Um, the uh, – oh, dear me. Um, Jordan Clark, good to see less forward passes um, leading to tries this week. I understand rugby struggles for viewers in Australia, but don't ruin it for the rest of us. Um, really? Because I thought we had quite a few forward passes. Quite a few lateral passes this week that, got a, that we got away with. So there were plenty oh. of, um, of forward passes. Coming to the night. Um, going on, Spec savers. Um, Spec savers. Yes. <laughs> Deary me. Look, there are certain things that are now allowed, all right? Unless you blatantly throw it 10 metres forward, it's a, it's a lateral pass. Unless the um, scrum half literally moves to the feet of the number eight and puts the ball in there, it's a straight put in. There are some things, you know, um, and uh, that, you know, are just allowed nowadays. So um, it just, it, it is what it is, I'm afraid, folks. Anyway, sorry, Stephen. I was about to say, it's a, it's a good segue into the uh, uh, opening try of the, uh, of the Blues Hurricanes game, Paul, because... Uh, I must admit, I thought the uh, left-to-right pass from Ortega Black looked like to me. It, it looked like it came forward out of the hand, and and I, I made a comment today on our rugby chat uh, um, forum that uh, I was a little surprised that Artie Savia didn't use a referee's challenge. Was, was it a little bit too early in the game for him? Because I actually suspect if um, Rico Yuani had had basically found Sam Not that scored the try, I'm, I suspect they would have went back and had a look at that. Um, yeah, I mean, in my notes here, it's like um, comedy play, break by blues, open brackets, yep, forward, close brackets, Kane's interception, but Fafita doesn't um, even try to catch the ball and Papialihi scores. Um, so, yes, you're quite... <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, straight away, it was yep, yep, forward. Um, it was all a bit of a mess then, wasn't it? It, it? Kind of was, but I just want to say on that play, it almost looked like um, James Blackwell threw his hand out to catch it and then pulled it away. And Fafita obviously thought his um, his, um, his number his lock was going to grab the ball, but didn't grab it at all. And before you know it, it, it sat up in the arms of uh, of uh, Dalton Papa Ali. So, yeah, odd, really odd start. Yeah, so, so yeah. Steve, with, with, with that challenge, I, I fully agree with you. And, and again, that's down to bad comms and, uh, you know, you, you bad coordination because surely someone in the coaching box would have gone on comms to the water carrier who was on comms to say, Adi, check, uh, go for the challenge, check that forward pass. Because that forward pass, tell you what it looked like. It looked like that little uh, shortcut where when you're driving to Fitianga through the Coraglen goat track, you know, that's <laughs> that, that's how it kind of, kind of wavered away. Um, and, and, and also, you have to ask the question, I mean, the the touch judge was pretty parallel to that pass. And, you know, you have to ask the question, guys, in a professional environment when this sort of nonsense is happening, um, you know, I, I, re I really wonder. Can, yeah. can, the, can the TMO still intervene and, and query, query that pass, even though it was a couple of plays back? Technically, no, he can't. But hey, we've seen technically things happen that don't that, that, that can't technically be allowed. So hey, um, look, I'm I'm all for um, the uh, the TMO getting involved if it gets the right decision, right at the end of the day. So who cares? That, that's what they're there for. Um, so yeah, so the Blues got away with that one. They got a bit lucky. Um, let's bit. be honest. Um, bit, yeah. And look, one of the hallmarks of the Blues in the last season was they start early, they score early, and they did it yet again. Um, 
just uh, but then they kind of faded out of the game. Amua really uh, had a very good game. Dane Coles, who folks um, showed some great foot, uh, some some, uh, some good footwork to, to just totally leave Caleb Clark flat-footed um, as he went over for his try. I thought it was double movement, but uh, yeah, on the replay he didn't he didn't get held and uh, was allowed to score. Um, but uh, the um, so, and, and he he had a really a good game. Um, all the way through it. Blackwell, on the other hand, didn't. <laughs> Let's be blunt. Uh, it was five penalties, including a yellow card um, and uh, a bunch of missed tackles as well. Uh, and uh, and also that um, dummy um, to leave Fafita totally um, uh, at, at sea at the beginning of the game. Um, his yellow card came out. Um, the And to be fair, the Hurricanes did pretty well because um, the it, it took... Uh, the Blues a real long time camped in at 22 before uh, and they end up taking um, a couple of threes rather than actually scoring any tries. So the Hurricanes really put in a shift then, um, even if uh, the, uh, they did lose lose some points um, at the end. Um, the uh, So it finished, what, 11-7 um, at halftime. Basically, Blues started... Uh, sorry, sorry, uh, sorry they, they didn't lose points. They gained six points during that, that period. So I'm reading the wrong the wrong column here. So, yeah, the Hurricanes lost a player and then um, picked up six points to lead at halftime 11-7. Um, second half, the Blues kicked off. I put a tweet out uh, and um, uh, scored a try early. I put a tweet out saying, oh, the Blues have started this half like the other half. Are they going to fade again um, for Blues fans? Thankfully, um, no, they didn't. Um, and uh, the... Um, they end up scoring uh, 16 at 31. Now, the to me, probably a bit flattered by that score. They had all the play uh, to, to and, and the ball and the territory to get that score and some more, but they just weren't uh, accurate enough um, and uh, benefited from a couple of late points um, because of the Hurricanes chasing the game. Um, otherwise, it would have been closer. But um, yeah, uh, it's like one of those games where the yeah, execution wasn't good. And the, the Hurricanes probably lost because a couple of their players just didn't step up, or some of their players um, were, were, were particularly bad, uh, and the other players just couldn't make up for that. Paul, I was about to say that time, just heading back to the first half when Blackwell did get the yellow card. To me, that seven or eight minutes before half time was the most disappointing aspect of the of, of the Blues' performance on the night because here they were, they decided not to take three points when when they basically could have. Just, just shifted out. You know, just pulled pulled away a little bit um, in ter in terms of score. Maybe taking it out to, I think at the time that would have taken it out to ten five. I think it was. They get the ball back. You go back down into their territory, but instead they decided to go for, for a little bit of a of a killer killer blow, and um, it was um, the uh, number eight Hosking Satutu with probably. Just a little bit inaccurate at the back of the scrum, where all he really needed to really really needed to do was actually bend down and pass the ball. But he actually just shifted sideways, and the, the pass wasn't quite accurate enough. And of course, Adi Savia, who was absolutely brilliant in those last uh, uh, eight minutes just before half time with uh, with turnovers, and to me that was the real dis disappointing aspect of the Blues' play was just their deci decision making. And the ability to have that real killer blow. If that's what you're deciding to do, you've got to be 100% accurate. Yeah, look, uh, a couple of a couple of points that really stuck up for me is I think, yeah, Asofa Moa. Oh, what a game. And there was one instance where he actually went over and scored a try. And it was one of the Oakland back rowers. He actually was a, a brutal high shot. Just clipped him on the neck and ears. But he just completely shrugged it off. Uh, and he carried up front and there was inside pass, a slight sequence. And, and he, he looked like he was hungry. He looked like he'd done the work. And when he scored that sec second on the far corner, um, you know, he was, he was, he was kind of rifling through six inches off the ground and no one, and I repeat, no one dared lay a finger on him because, you know, all you can do is stick a forearm and chances are you will break it. I had a, I had a look at Jonathan Ruru's uh, the look on his face. He was you know he just didn't want any part of that. So some real good signs there for Amoa. Uh, you like uh, rightly said, Stephen. You know, uh, Dane goals who, um, and also uh, the I have to say that that conversion by uh, Jody Barrett um, 
not sure why the referees, again, who are wearing specsavers on their shirts, uh, waved it down. That was uh, a beautiful kick from the corner flag. I know it was only two points. Uh, but again, I, 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 have to, I have to make mention of this because uh, these things always stick out like a sore thumb when I watch the professional game because we all expect all our players, coaches to do their bit at 100%. But our friends in white, to, uh, all their job was to pretty much race the flag. Uh, couldn't get that one right now, could they? Well, okay. Let's um, sort this one out because uh, yeah, Jordan Clark saying, yeah, please can someone explain. So what happened was, uh, looking at the cameras, uh, it looks like it went through all day. Um, and as Nocturnal Right says, optical illusion. Because what was came over on the referee's speakers or microphones was apparently that the ball had gone, had traveled above the posts. Um, and when the referees were looking up, they believed it would have hit the post, not gone through them. Um, now, we very rarely see that in professional rugby because the posts are so high. Um, most kicks uh, don't go above them, um, uh, higher than the actual level of the posts. Um, so that is what um, uh, that is what the uh, uh, that is what the referees said. Um, and as Nocturne Wright says, the, um, uh, the ball was swinging, but it was already past the post um, at that point. So, quite uh, from the camera angle that we had, we only they only showed one angle. They didn't show any others, did they? Let's be honest. Um, that's what um, that is what the referees are calling. Uh, we weren't there. Uh, we didn't have the best seats. To be honest, to 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 say they were wrong. No, I, I, I disagree. I, I, I completely put this one on the touch judges because if you look at Jordy Barrett's uh, previous kicks, if you look at the trajectory, it was going very, very high. And surely you would think that the touch judges in this instance, they placed themselves right under the crossbar, either side of the uprights. They should have gone slightly further back. So to me, that's 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 not uh, that's not paying attention to the game and not understanding what's in front of them. So at the professional level, you know, this uh, to me, it's just unacceptable. I'd be curious. I'd be also curious if, if well, I think, well, actually, no, hang on. But, but by placing themselves at the bottom of the post, they can look straight up and see where the posts are. If they're further back, you've then got parallax error, and they can't and, and it becomes again an optical optical judgment. So um, I'm going to disagree with you on that one. Well, let's let's agree to disagree because if we have a kicker who has a, a, a parabolic trajectory, um, I mean, you know, I, I work with my goal kickers with right throughout at the academy at Manuka, and that's something I do. I always stand right at the back, almost at the edge of the touchline, because then I can actually see what the trajectory is, whether it's going clearing the post. So this is so if the referees are listening, if you want some tips, send me a, send me a text message. I'll I'll show you and teach you what to do. It's quite quite interesting, guys. We um. One of the tries that the Blues scored, I think that was the Perifeta try. The Blues actually tried that exact same move in the first half. In fact, there were two moves that they actually tried, and they just got their timing completely wrong. In fact, they made the comment look like they'd met, met in the car park. Um, but they obviously just got the, just got the depth correct, got the timing correct, and uh, just uh, it was it really was a, a, a lovely move. And uh, listen, it's great to see somebody like Oteri Black. Just really, not so much finding his feet at this level, but being more consistent in terms of his decision making, and not being injured. That too. <laughs> yeah, guys. Uh, one one point I have to make is with uh, you know there, there there were a lot of uh, uh, there were there, there were a lot of occasions where both teams because they had a lot of serious space out wide they attacked wide but they were attacking quite flat. Now, the support runners, there were a number of occasions where the pass didn't quite go to hand. It was either on the bounce. So this is where I think uh, when you have that level of intensity and that level of speed when you're attacking wide and quite flat, you actually need a halfback who can take those front-running lines like Aaron Smith. Because had the halfback in, in, in one occasion, I think it was... Um, the Blues uh, starting halfback, uh, I think it was, uh, I think it was Sam Nock, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there, there are a couple of instances where he actually couldn't catch the ball because at that level, that inside pass, um, when you're when you're hitting the tram lines where there's so much pressure, it's, it's only a split second. And this is something I think the, the Super Rugby sides will have to look at from purely from a coaching point of view because we have serious speed out wide. Uh, but unfortunately, this is something what the Highlanders didn't do enough this weekend. So um, Auckland, as well as Wellington, 
their their halfback and their running lines might need a little bit of adjustment because this is where the fine tuning needs to happen. Right then, uh, unless you've got any other particular points, we have, we're running out of time, so we must head on to the last game, um, just, which was. Sorry, go on, go on, Stephen. Just, just quickly, Paul. I I was a little surprised. Yeah, Julian Savier, don't get me wrong. I thought he played really, really well, and he looked really sharp. But I was I was a little disappointed that we didn't see Rayasi um, give it an opportunity. We know what a match winner he can be, and I saw enough of Peter Umanga Jensen to suggest why on earth was he not starting at centre. Yeah, very valid point. Yeah, that's something we all overlook. So thank you for bringing up that Stephen Harris. Yep, no answers for you, though, I'm afraid. Um, the <laughs> um, so yeah, Br Brumbies versus Waratahs. I'll be honest. Um, the uh, this is the one where I think a lot of us, a lot of people, sort of checked out um, for the the second half. Um, I actually watched it all, um, but um, I, uh, I I'm, I'm not sure I was actually necessarily paying attention too much in the second half of um, this one. Um, oh, Jordan Clark, yes, mentioned Ardy's. Um, Mentioned Ardy's um, 100. Uh, yeah, congratulations, Ardy Surveyor. 100 caps, Super Rugby caps. Um, well done, sir. Um, there's clearly plenty more caps um, to come from you uh, with those with that kind of performance. Uh, so, yes, you're, you're not stopping anytime soon by the looks of things, which is great to see. Um, Rumbies versus the um, the Waratahs. Now, uh, coming into this, and obviously thinking, oh, dear. Boy, the Waratahs got handed one last week. Um, it's This is just going to be uh, one-way traffic. And... Uh, they actually got the po first points on the board. It's like, oh, maybe, just maybe. Yeah, that, that, that didn't last very long, did it? Um, <laughs> uh, the Brumbies um, basically do what they do, which is, uh, look, let's be honest, this Waratahs side is a very, very young um, uh, side. It's definitely in what you would call rebuilding phase um, The uh, for, for them. The Brumbies um, have been together a lot longer, um, and... You can see that just from the way they executed everything so much better um, than the Waratahs. This was over at halftime, 26-10. Line-out, I mean, most of their their, their tries um, came from line-out malls or line-outs and fake malls. Um, but, um, hey, you know that's what you're going to get from the Brumbies. So don't give away penalties um, that they can kick to the corner. Um, and uh, what did the Waratahs do? Well, 11 penalties. Um, so relatively low compared to some of the others, but still in double figures um and if you do that you're going to be uh you, you're going to be in trouble um against this um, this brumby side Stephen, paul what what's something up a couple of times the waratahs line out was probably you know was going reasonably well but there were a couple of occasions where there was absolutely no protection for the jumper and there was one there was a couple of occasions where pete samu just basically walked in and ripped the ripped, ripped the ball away and that was off the back of some real hard work to get field position and it just seemed like whenever they got reasonable field position they'd, they'd basically get bullied they tried to a couple of times they tried to uh, to drive the brumbies and uh, it just really wasn't happening against a very very good pack we know how good the brumbies are but you know we also know at home on on the defensive uh, line out drive and also the attacking line out drive they're nigh unstoppable aren't they so uh yeah, it it resembled men's playing boys. I think it, at one stage during the game, I might have uh, messaged you, Paul, and said, man, this is going to get ugly. Uh, yes, my response to that was, it is ugly. Um, <laughs> it wasn't about to get ugly. Um, yeah, as you say, yeah, I mean, spot on there, that Brumby, the, the, the Waratahs um, officially won 16 out of 16 of their lineouts. That's fine. But if you give away 18 turnovers, it doesn't matter how many lineouts you win, especially if you're turning over straight afterwards. Um so, uh, yeah, the it, it was. Um, I um, uh, Mertz, I think, was saying that he thought that this that the actually the Waratahs had played better this week than last week, um, but um, and still end up losing 61 to 10. Uh, go on, Bar. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, 24 missed tackles out of 88 tackles that 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 is not playing better. I mean, they're you know, guys, this is actually going to hurt a lot of uh chances, uh, for some of the Wallabies, like you know. Back row Swinton, who plays for the Waratahs, because you know these guys are going to get pummeled. They are clearly not; they don't belong in this league. Not with the type of rugby they're playing and the level of skill they're bringing in. And um, I just read that uh, you know Rob Penny, you know one heck of a nice guy. Um, he's actually offered to resign. He might actually end up getting fired 
because uh boy it's 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 not a good sign and i think it was i think nocturnal rights on the chat said it's not a not a good sign at all for uh dave rennie and rightly so um and yeah i i just I, dude, for the life of me i i can't figure out that in the state where they play most rugby which is new south wales rugby union uh they've come up with the elite squad of such uh low experience and uh, there has to be some kind of intervention here. So it's it's going to be a, a, a long, steep um, learning curve for some of these younger players. But at the same time, um, yeah, real real worrying signs for them as, as a group. And uh, they just can't seem to uh, pit it in, in certain very simple skill sets, i.e. the tackle uh, with some of these sides. So it's, it's going to be a very, very, very ugly and long season for... The Voritas. You know, it's 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 a surprise because you know what you watch some of the shoot shield, which is a good standard of, of club rugby, and there's some good good footballers running running around. But I think the problem that they've got, they've just lost too many key players over the over the years, and this is probably a hangover from from Michael Hooper, if you know what I mean. And and he's taken a few of his mates all, away with them because you know you, you even if you go back four or five years ago, but even under those guys. When they had all those experience, Bernard Foley, Michael Hooper. God, I could, I could remember poor old Michael Hooper. He was the master of the after match, losing after match speech. Speech. He got so used to them, used to them, and, and you know, once again, they they were up and down then. So I just wondered if they relied far too long on this, on on those experienced players, and now that they've hit rock bottom, they've got all these young guys there. There's, there's the odd talented guy there, but yeah, I think last night their heads. Went down. On, on saying that, they've got the Western Force at home next next weekend. And listen, if they want to wrong, a, is, is, there's an opportunity there to wrong a couple of rights or right a couple of wrongs. Uh, beg your pardon. Um, yeah, they, they, you know, they, they can only get better. Surely. I, mean, I, look, I, I think they've lost something like 23 um, internationals in the last two years. Now, okay, that includes Michael Hooper. Oh, it's 23 or 15, anyway. Anyway, they've either, either, they've either lost a, a run on match day's team or a match day squad of internationals in the last two years. As you say, they've relied on players for too long. Um, players like Kirtley Beale um, as well, Foley, um, and not brought through players um, at the right time. Now, as far as the Wallabies go, though, they only have to get 23 guys for a match day squad. And they've got a good squad in the Brumbies. They've got a good squad at the Reds. I think they can put 23 players together. Um, they don't necessarily need the Tars. Uh, obviously, it reduces the number of players he's got to pick from. Um, but, I, but I'm not worried for the Wallabies at this stage because I think we've got two teams that have got players that are playing well. And then you've got a bunch of players down at the Rebels, players like Dame Helen Petty to come back, um, etc. So I think they... Uh, so, yeah, I'm not concerned for the Wallabies. I am concerned for the Tars, though. Hey, look at, look, look at Wales, guys. They only really picked from... what. Three clubs, don't they? Three or four, three or four clubs. Ospreys, um, Ospreys, Ospreys, um, Blues, Scarlets, and maybe yeah, a little bit of Dragons, but yeah. yeah, and 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 also suburbs in uh, West Auckland. <laughs> 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 so, so based on what I'm seeing with the NSW Waratahs, looks like the next couple of seasons are going to be very busy. For Saint Kent's and Manukau Rowers, that much I can assure you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Got direct direct line uh, direct line to uh, Australian rugby. Uh, uh, you know, if, if, okay, if, I think if, I've got my Rob, new job. Rob, if Rob hangs up, yeah, if Rob hangs up his job, he, I, I might expect a few calls from him. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a new agent for Monaco Rovers. Did you hear that, Stefan? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me! Um, and and there's White and Matter about to expand its catchment by merging with another club. You had plenty of players there. Why why, why do you have to go down to Rovers? Oh, you have to be quick. You have to be quick at Rovers because usually it's Ponsonby and Gramatek who get onto the first. So. Hey, we're getting it before <laughs> they get it. <laughs> so yes, oh. if you're an under sixteen at um, uh, Manukau Rovers, look forward for that for, for that um, for that professional contract. It's coming your way. Um, anyway. All joking aside, guys. Um, look, yeah, the Tiles have got a rebuilding effort. They are um, where the Reds might have been. Maybe, well, they're probably behind where the Reds were three, two or three years ago, when um, uh, Brad Thorne came in there. Um, there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, so he might have offered, Penny might have offered to, to resign. But look, it's I don't think it's his. I don't think it's all his fault. Um, I think it's about uh, 
how they've been able to replay play, re retain players um, as well. Um, look, six games so far in Super Rugby, all of them been won by the favourites, I would say. We haven't had an upset yet. Um, now, that's good for my TAB balance, um, but um, that's... Uh, uh, not necessarily good for the for the for the, for the competition. I think we need, we need, we're going to want to see an, an upset sooner or later. Uh, obviously, the the, um, the the Super Rugby AU already looks like Brumbies versus Reds final. Super Rugby Altaroa. Obviously, we've only had one round, so we've not even seen the Chiefs yet. Um, now I know a lot of people aren't holding out much hope for the Chiefs, but um, they are a team that could be rocks or diamonds. Uh, they've got the players, um, except maybe the engine room in the locks there, um, but they do have to gel, uh, which we didn't see them do at the latter end of last year. Um, so Super Rugby Altero, I think we're still, uh, whilst obviously the Crusaders are going to win it because, but we knew that three years ago. Um, so, um, but apart from that, yeah, I think it's still up in the balance. Super Rugby AU though, boys, I think is, um, I, we, we, we know what, uh, oh, it's, it, we know what we're expecting the final to be. Fair call? Yeah, I think we saw an early glimpse of what the Crusaders and, you know, when they're clinical, what they can do. Um, just, uh, I'd really like to see the other teams, what their run on form is going to be like over the next two or three weeks, because, uh, you know, the Blues and the Hurricanes, they, they showed a lot of rustiness. Whereas if you look at the Crusaders, man, when, when they were clinical, they were on point. Um, and also from the Highlanders point of view, this poor decision making. So yeah, it's, it's early days, but Crusaders certainly look like they've done more accurate homework. Uh, but at the same time, when the Blues were on song and when they weren't sloppy, I really like what they saw. So, we'll wait and see. If you, if you, actually, if you actually narrow it down, guys, the Blues were pretty sloppy, sloppy. There was only really two places, two pieces of really good good, good, good rugby. Um, obviously, the, the, the well-manufactured try that Perifeta scored, the great cost kick from uh, Otere Black. In between times, there was a... a Two other tries came basically from mistakes, and they they basically stuttered. And the scary thing is, they stuttered, but still put fifteen points on a different on a on a very disappointing hurricane side. There, to me, there's already some early concerns for a couple of those uh, Kiwi sides. Yeah, well, um, as as far as uh, players go, one thing I have to say is uh, very impressed with Akira Yoane. I looked at his stats; oh. tremendous. And I think he's putting his hand up uh, for early top spot, number six. Um, and, and, you know, he, he looks fit. He looks really fit. He looks really focused. And he was busting those lines. He had four solid line breaks. So, really good signs. And all of a sudden, from not having a, a stable number six, I think we're starting to see some real competition yeah. in that spot. And probably provided the, one of the moments of that match with a brilliant handoff of Adi Savia, who basically doesn't normally... Miss tackles, but boy, gave him the big don't argue. So great, great to see uh, a guy who we've always known has got this talent. Looks like he's got his head head right, although you could arguably say it's questionable if his brother's quite got the head right after the antics of scoring that try. I well, I, I missed that. I was writing down, so I need to. I'll perhaps I'll go back and uh, and and have a watch. Um, Is that <laughs> 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 well, well, I, I have to give it to uh, Rico. That was he showed some serious pace out there. That was the turbocharged shoes. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was a very interesting statement after he scored that try. But you know, each to their own. So hopefully, he can build from that, and hopefully, he doesn't screw it up. Like remember the last time, he, all he had to do was dot it down. But the good news was he didn't do that. He actually dived on and scored the try. So. Yeah. A lot of a lot of people mentioned that on social media. Absolutely, um, uh, yeah, that was not being forgotten. Um, yeah, it was interesting to see Zrika uh, Iwani, I am a thirteen, um, scoring a winger's try. Um, so um, yes, I think questions will still be remaining as to where is his best position, centre or wing. Uh, but clearly, he sees himself as a centre, and that's where he's played all his age grade rugby. Um, and uh, we'll have to see how that uh, pans out in the future. Um, thank you very much for joining me again, um, Stephen and Boa. Um, we'll be back um, tomorrow night, Monday at 8pm with the uh, Swinging from the Hip and also back on Tuesday evening with the Driving Mall Show at 8pm. Um, obviously, got some Six Nations um, news to cover off in there. Not only do we have games, but also apparently the threat of the French government pulling the French rugby team out of the tournament. 
Um, so we'll have to uh, see what that is all about. Stay safe, everybody, uh, and um, uh, be kind and have a uh, wonderful week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 